had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Hi guys, welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Valerie Garcia. Hi, Valerie. Hey, Philip. How's it going? It's good. We are recording on via Skype right now, uh, kind of in line with all of the world that is self-quarantine. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in separate places. We are. And just trying to keep the uh, show happening. I know a lot of people are looking for tennis content right now because so much has changed in the tennis world. And of course, we lead with the fact that Indian Wells uh, has been canceled. The BNP Paribas Open due to COVID-19 coronavirus influence and uh, such a drag, right? Yes. I mean, it would have been started two days ago. And we would have been there next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we had been talking about it all year because this is the event that I go to out of all of the tennis events on the calendar. This is the one that I actually get to go to because it's only about two hours away from our house and we like to uh, see the pros and they, they call it the fifth slam. So it's such a drag that we won't be able to be there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not only called the fifth slam because it's such a big deal. And we're not like we're so fortunate that we have the fifth slam in our backyard. Yes. Like you said, two hours away. Right. But it's it is like one of the player favorites because it is an amazing tournament. It's one of the best uh, in terms of accessibility to players. And, uh, you know, the fact that they like got Hawkeye before on every court before like some of even the majors it's just like it's such a great progressive tournament they work so hard larry ellis every year to make sure that it's like the best of the best right and it uh i've heard from a lot of people that have been there that i've talked to while i'm sitting next to them or something and they've been to different slams and they say wow indian wells is one of the best tennis experiences on the planet, even compared to slams, which I thought was amazing. And I've never been to a slam. That's definitely bucket list for me. So I'm really looking forward to it. I know you have. Yeah. And, and I actually had the same experience. So I had been going to Indian Wells already for probably like, I don't know, four or five years when I went to the US Open for my first time, thinking like, I'm going to go to the, the US Open. It's going to be amazing. And, and I remember... The stadium, the U.S. Open, like Arthur Ashe Stadium is, it's the biggest tennis stadium in the world. So that in itself was like uh, really amazing. However, the rest of the experience, I remember being like, this sucks. Like Indian Wells is a hundred times better than this. Why did, <laughs> why did I just spend thousands flying over here when I have a better tournament in my backyard? Right. Um, right. And Indian Wells uh, main stadium is actually the second biggest stadium 
only behind Arthur Ashe in the world. So you're really not missing out that much on an experience. Although I will say that like the New York crowd at night, like a night session is magical. It's electric. It's like nothing else. I mean, well, I've only experienced like five tournaments, but it was just as amazing as you see, see it on TV. Um, but other than that, I was like, oh, I'm just going to stick to Indian Wells as my tournament from now on. And it must have been a really hard decision for Indian Wells because it didn't happen immediately, right? We were getting emails that they were going to change uh, certain aspects of checking in, got an email about having to have clear bags, and then they talked about um, making some uh, health and safety changes, such as the ball kids not touching the towels or delivering the towels to the players, but the players would have to deal with the towels themselves, um, and other things like that, right? You read that press release? Uh, I didn't see a press release, but I, I kept getting email updates, so... Yeah, so they were um, slowly making these changes, trying to adopt to the very fast-changing environment. And then finally, unfortunately, on March 6th, they sent out a statement. And it must have been very hard. I've heard that players were already on the grounds, lots of, of course, challengers and people who were going through qualifying uh, were there. Uh, a lot of the pros were on the plane or or already on site uh, and then for them to make this decision must have been incredibly hard for the players yeah yeah there was definitely some twitter activity reactions to that and i think at first like a week ago it did seem a little bit you know like very shocking but now it just seems like well of course they did that because now ever everything's following suit Right. And just yesterday, actually, our president uh, declared a national emergency for the coronavirus and um, has really like closed everything down. But in California, they had already um, issued a state of emergency for the state. And so it seemed like it was just natural for them to do that. I think the breaking point was that they found a case of coronavirus in the Coachella Valley. And so because of that, they had to make that decision. And, and I think it's you know important that they're protecting the players, although I think a lot of players were saying, why can't we just have the tournament televised um, and not have the fans come? I think the problem probably for the tournament, the whole event is that they just don't make enough money doing that, right? They probably don't get enough money to from the rights of television to actually make the tournament go. It just doesn't make financial sense is what I'm guessing. Yeah, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the majority of uh, income in tennis is really ticket sales. Television rights, I think, are a part of it, but it's only the tennis channel. It's not like ESPN. It's not national NBC News, that kind of thing. So I've got to think that the amount of money that they make is a lot less on televised rights, uh, unfortunately, just because viewership for te tennis is not as high as it should be, right? Well, it's more of a global sport. I don't think it has much of a viewership in the United States, per se, probably other countries more so. Sure. And we do see that like Amazon is getting into the fray and, and trying to get the rights for tennis. But even that is kind of haphazard, right? It's like certain slams or certain events so I'm sure it was heartbreaking for the players to have to take a hit 
financially. And I know uh, if you listen to Noah Rubin's podcast, Behind the Racket, uh, there's a lot of talk about how hard it is for any player in tennis that's especially outside of the top 100 to even make ends meet. So I'm wondering what happens with these players that fly over. They've you know, already paid their plane ticket. They've flown their coach over with them, you know, all of that. What happens to those expenses for them? Is that just a loss or, you know, is there a chance of recovery? I did hear that Indian Wells at least is supplying hotel rooms for the players for at least a week while they're there, uh, which is nice to hear because a lot of these people, they live on the road, right? So their home is the hotel and then they have to decide where to go next. And that's got to be challenging because as I understand it now, many of the tournaments following this, including Miami, are canceled, right? Yeah, I think there's like the next six weeks right. of, the, of the tour is is canceled. I mean, I could see on my calendar that there's like Indian Wells, Guadalajara, Miami, Charleston, Bogota, uh, Stuttgart, I believe. I think they even, it's probably... Istanbul, Estoril, Munich, um, which goes up until May, and Prague. I believe I saw that Monte Carlo or Madrid. I know for sure one of the the Clay Masters events got canceled or postponed. Right, so it really brings into question the French Open and what's going to happen there. Correct, which I I got an email saying that that was going to be up to the French government to decide. Yeah, and I can't imagine that uh, it's going to happen just because you feel like we don't have a handle on this and it's spreading so fast in Europe right now, which is the new hotspot for the world. China has slowed down, but Europe is increasing rapidly right now. Yeah, and I wonder how this affects the WTA because I think all, all we're talking about is the ATP right now, except for the slams, right? If I'm not mistaken, I believe that the WTA is more aggressively going after it where the ATP was getting kind of some backlash of why they were not canceling as many. There's a nice little article here on the ranking scenario after five weeks suspension. Oh, interesting. Sophia, see, and that's the other thing is like, how, how do they deal with rankings? I mean, I... Just everyone loses points, keeps the same points as from last year. Um, it's very strange. It's such a once in a lifetime type of situation. Sure. Where like there's there's nothing in place. I'm sure. Yeah, that also makes me think of the world number one with Djokovic because he was going to catch up to Federer in October. He's still the world number one, even though there's no tournament play. Uh, do all of these weeks count? I, I guess they would, right? Even though there's no play. Yeah. I mean, it's complicated. Uh, apparently, um, there. this article says there has not been any announcement made by the WTA about freezing rankings till the suspension is over. Um, so hence the players drop their points after 52 weeks, regardless of whether the tournament happens or not. This rule stays until any further announcements are made. So apparently everyone is just losing their points at the moment. And the WTA anyway. That's very interesting. As an update, it says Ash Barty will drop 120 points after this week. 
And she also won the Miami Open last year, so she would further drop a thousand points. She would she would lose those points because the yeah. Miami's not playing. Correct. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Is that they said, regardless whether the tournament happens or not, points drop after fifty two weeks. That's how the rules are currently set up. Wow. So and so unless they freeze the rankings, yeah, everyone's losing their points from the tournaments. Wow. Um, it shows Simona Halep would drop 390 points um, because she had 120 from that she lost from Indian Wells and so basically what you're saying is all the defending champions who have won so many points whether they got to the quarter semis or the finals they're the ones that lose the most yeah wow yeah so if you had a good year last year around this time you're gonna suffer interesting i wonder what that does to world number one then because you know Djokovic and nadal did so incredibly well last year do they lose yeah, all those and points actually and- so this article is really only on the wta rankings yeah and uh, and this affects of course the the pro tour as well as the challenger tour the itf uh, college all of these have been shut down and so tennis as we know it really has stopped for the foreseeable future which is incredible even at the local level uh the classes that i teach in azusa have been canceled for recreation uh the hotel where i teach obviously is suffering dramatically because no one's flying no one is uh, getting in a plane to come to the hotel (laughs) so lots of changes yes that must that must be not fun, right, for the income. Yeah, and I think just like the income for the pros, you've got to think about all the people who would have made money from Indian Wells or any of these tournaments that come into their town and all the residual income for vendors and exhibitors, uh, definitely for sales for the tennis manufacturers, everything stops. Yes, and so it is confirmed that that the ATP is the same as the WTA. Apparently, the the actual ranking rules are that after 52 weeks regardless of whether the tournament happens or not players drop points um at the moment though the rankings are not freezing so everyone's dropping points it will not affect Djokovic as of right now he will still be at number one but it says and Nadal would still be number two it does say though however this would widen the gap to Djokovic being 955 points over Nadal so Nadal will just be farther away from Djokovic than he was. Team would also uh, stay at number three. Actually, it says the suspension of the tour will affect team the most in the top five. The Austrian will lose 1,600 points in the six-week suspension. Ouch. Team, wow. Yeah. He will hence drop 1,500 points that he earned last year. He will also lose... The 10 and 90 points he earned at Miami Open and Monte Carlo Masters, respectively. However, team will remain on the third position with a gap of 450 points over Federer. Federer is going to lose 1,600 points. However, he was not going to defend his points anyway as he's sidelined from the tour due to his knee surgery. Right. He will, he will remain on the number four spot in the world. Wow. Yeah, some people are calling him the... Uh the prophet, the magician, because he decided to have knee surgery at the most opportune time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
it seemed crazy when he did it, but now it's all like working out, right? Yeah, <laughs> for him. He still loses 1,600 points, though, but I guess he would have lost it anyways, is what you're saying. Yes, yes. And this is not, it's not the type of sport like a basketball or a baseball where you have a yearly contract and you're still getting your salary. Um, these people rely on going to the tournaments to yeah. get I mean, some of some of them, like you mentioned, under the top hundred, they're they're just like any other person who may be working like paycheck to paycheck, uh, really struggling, you know, dependent on sponsors, and you know that's that's just a whole other ball game. Is is the actual companies that are losing tons of money, not you know even my my particular work, um, and every all my friends, you know. People are starting to work remotely. Obviously, there's skepticism on how how well business will do, if hours will be cut, if people will be cut, if uh, salaries will be cut. You know, um, there's just so much uncertainty for the, for everyone right now. But the tennis athlete, especially being um, a singular person um, who doesn't have contracts with a team. And also has a team that they support and and pay, right? They pay right. their coach, they pay their trainers, their physios, their everything. So it's almost like backwards where where their their team relies on them. And uh, it's kind of sad for them. Yeah, in a lot of ways, each tennis player is like his own business, kind of like a restaurant. Every day, a restaurant survives on how well they do that day. And you hope that you can continue to have a, a good business income based on how many people come into your restaurant. Uh, just like with a tennis player, they have to keep winning. But if they aren't winning, if they get hit by injury, if something happens, then all of a sudden the business shutters and closes. And uh, so for each of these tennis players, some are one-person business, and then some, like you said, have a staff of people that they're dealing with. And obviously those coaches and physios and stuff can't demand that money from the player uh, because they may, while they may have a contract, they obviously have to understand that, hey, the player's not playing, <laughs> the player's not winning, there's no way they can get paid. How does that all work out? So, so much discussion that needs to happen financially about tennis right now. Yeah, right. And we're globally, as a society, we're all going through it together. The figuring out how to handle it. Yeah, and it really draws it to attention the divide between the players and the tournaments as well. You really feel like the tournaments are the ones who are making all of these decisions to close, to not make uh, available for these players to make money. The players, I'm not sure if, how much say they have in any of these decisions. And so it really is uh, the players beholden to tournaments and their decision to allow the player to make money or not. Otherwise, how else do you make income? Yeah, and if, but if the tournament's not on with spectators and participants, or you know, they're not making any money, so how can they pay out the prize money? Right. So lots to think about as far as all of the changes in tennis. And you know, obviously there are more important issues that are happening in the world right now than tennis. But this is our passion. And usually sports kind of keeps going, doesn't get touched by these kind of tragedies that happen in the world. But, uh, you know, this one is affecting all of us, right? 
Yeah, and it's funny because, well, it's not funny. Nothing is funny right now. However, uh, it's interesting, I guess. Like, I am personally, I'm self-quarantined right now because I have a, a little something, sniffles and things like that, and I'm just trying to be responsible. Um, so I've been fortunate, very grateful and fortunate to be able to work remotely. Um, but it's like when, I ha- when I'm not working, what am I doing with my time? I'm just like stuck in my house. And I'm like, what I would really love is to turn on TV and watch sports and there's no sports on. <laughs> so I'm like, I am, not, I am not a Netflix and chill type of person. I am a ESPN top 10, whatever person, you know, I want to see what's going on in the pulse of sports. Um, it's pretty much 95% of the content that I watch on TV. Yeah. So now I'm like looking... First of all, I have I actually have Roger's last two Australian Opens on my DVR where he won. There you go. And I and I have my the the Super Bowl on my DVR where my Kansas City Chiefs won. So I was thinking, well, maybe this weekend I'll just rewatch those matches. I don't know what else. Um, I don't know what else to do. I guess I could turn into. I don't want to develop an addiction to Netflix or something, you know. <laughs> I already have have a sports addiction. That's plenty. Well, and sadly, not only do we not get to uh, participate in pro tennis, we don't even really get to play because the USTA here in the United States has really shut down all forms of kind of community tennis that has happened. So not only my program here in Azusa, but uh, all of the leagues are shut down by the USTA. So even to go and play, you know, there's there's not that ability. Um, everything has been canceled where there's any kind of gathering or group, and the USTA is following suit with that by canceling all the leagues, all the play. Um, I would imagine any uh, tennis organization that teaches with children and has a group uh, has been canceled. Yeah, that must bum you out so much. You play every day pretty much. <laughs> I do play a lot. <laughs> as much as my body will allow me. Um, and I think at the local level, assuming that it's sunshine, today it's raining, but I'm still going to be out there playing and all of our friends are going to be probably hitting. Uh, I do think about the the tennis ball and what that means in transferring viruses because basically every player touches the tennis ball other than that you have a a good amount of social distancing in tennis right you don't really need to interact with the other person there isn't a lot of close contact you know you're on the other side of the net uh, for the majority of the time so it it's safe in in a lot of ways i think but it's just the tennis ball so i've been thinking about either wearing gloves or spraying the balls with sanitizer you know something to get rid of any possible viral infection on the surface of the ball you know that's what we have to do right yeah and i think it just becomes really um up to individuals to be mindful of how when they're touching their face and things like that um also, I don't know how often as a recreational player you use a towel or anything to wipe off your sweat, but that that could be another thing. Um, yeah, I don't use a towel per se. I usually use a sweatband, uh, which you know stays on my body. But yeah, that's another form of uh, you know carrying and uh, carrying infection. And I think you know, obviously, I'm wiping my face all the time. So now I've got to think about not wiping my face. <laughs> when I'm sweating, which is not easy to do. 
But yeah, I, I just found the statement of suspension from the USTA. And so it affects uh, adult, all adult and junior tournaments, all league tennis, all junior team tennis, all USTA school programs, tennis on campus, uh, which most campuses are closed, all wheelchair events, all USTA pro circuit events. So this is everything. I mean, it's just uh, wide stretched and there's no way to really be a part of that community and play. Obviously, as a public park person, I can play anytime I want, but I just have to be super wise about it. Yes. And I still will play. I mean, I'm not... Uh, that afraid to go out and just hit the ball with my friends uh obviously all of us are not shaking hands after the end of the match <laughs> we're doing the yeah. we're doing the elbow bump and you know and we're very mindful are you sick you don't come out here if you're sick and sadly a lot of people in the united states are older that play tennis and so they're in the higher risk and so we have to be even more careful with that correct I'm doing my part. <laughs> well, after you get better, it's time for us to hit some tennis balls since we'll have a lot more free time. I know yeah. I will. <laughs> I know. I don't know. It's it's become it's it's quite complicated, you know, just like in my personal life as far as my job because because our our company is you know, day to day, hour to hour trying to figure out ways to deal with, you know, how to have people working remote. And of course, my my department is the only department that can't really work remote. We have inventory and we ship and receive. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, tr I'm, and then I'm sick. So I'm trying to manage my team from home. <laughs> it's it's uh, interesting. Well, and you were playing soccer as well. Uh, so I've got to think that all of that canceled, right? That did cancel, yeah. I actually, they, they just barely announced yesterday that our, our league games are suspended. So, And then I think, uh, I know my sister in Northern California, they had little leagues cancellations, but I guess they were still having soccer practice, just not soccer games or something like that, which she thought was... Which obviously is just really weird. It's like, why can you have practice but you can't have the game? But I'm sure that's all going to change. I see it only as a matter of time before, I, like most things that are anything that's like really unnecessary for survival is going to kind of be coming to a screeching halt. Yeah. Well, I think that gives us even more reason to to create more podcasts because this is a time where people are looking for tennis news, tennis content, and, uh, and hoping to kind of fill their day with, uh, some of the joy of what they miss. So maybe our responsibility as podcasters becomes even more important now. Yeah, I'm down with that because I know for myself, like I've been bored at home and I, I've been looking for new content. Um, and because there's no sports, well, I listen to pretty much only sports podcasts. So because there's no sports on, I'm not seeing too many podcasts. I, I was looking for the tennis podcast and they haven't uploaded something in a while. Um, I think since Indian Wells canceled. So, um, yeah, I really, really can't finish sentences. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So anywho, I, I really am looking for content. So I feel like I'm totally okay with producing content with you. <laughs> and hopefully our uh, listeners don't mind us doing this uh, virtual Skype uh, cast. I know the audio is not as good as it usually is for our podcast. And I care a lot about the audio, but we can only get so much quality out of Skype. But uh, we really appreciate every listener who is tuned in and just thinking about tennis in the same way as uh, we are. We'd also love to hear from you and hear what's up in your life. How is this um, strange uh, national emergency affecting your tennis and your game? Love to feature you, maybe even interview you and talk about what's happening in your area if there's a story. So please reach out to us, pk at tennispal.com. We'd love to hear that. Super sad for Tennis Pal because we were excited to go to Indian Wells and do a lot of promotion for the podcast and for the app. The app, of course, is uh, phenomenal, but uh, people are probably a little bit more hesitant to use the app to meet other people and play tennis now. Obviously, have to do that at your own discretion, but uh, I'm still going to be out there. I'm still playing tennis. I'm just going to be mindful of... You know, like I said, the transference of uh, virus via the balls, maybe wear gloves uh, while I'm playing, if that helps. Definitely, like you said, not touch my face, right? Yeah, I was just thinking in my mind, like how nice it is that I have a one-handed backhand. So I could virtually wear a glove on my left hand, which touches the ball, and never really have to touch the ball. or And then my racket, and then whatever right yeah I, because I, I would just imagine if you wear a glow on your left hand for the ball but you have a two-hander it might be annoying like on your grip or something once your hand starts sweating yeah it might, well, it might slip and stuff like that we'll have to see how it goes i i, I think uh, if i use those thin rubber gloves um, that are very thin almost hospital like that it will actually help my grip because you know that stuff actually like kind of is sticky in a way but uh, maybe too sticky, you know, because uh, <laughs> I've, I'm constantly trying to change my grip, right, for each shot. And so the question is, what happens? How does that feel? And uh, it's all new territory for all of us in trying to adapt to this ever-changing world that we live in. Yes. I just had this great idea for myself since I'm at home and bored I could break out. Um, I haven't played on my pool table in a really long time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go dust off the cue and balls. And and it's a great sport I could play by myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and there's always the tennis wall, right? I mean, uh, we all could use practice on a tennis wall. And yes. this is a great time to just get out there and, and hit against the wall, practice, and then you're only dealing with your own viruses on that tennis ball. <laughs> not, That's true. I mean, I'm trying else. to stay. I'm trying to stay uh, in my on my property <laughs> personally, just until my sniffles go away. But yeah, definitely, um, you want to stay quarantined and protect and, all of us. And I, I, what bugs me is that like back in the day, we used to have um, wooden garage doors. So it was uh, for hitting a tennis ball. But now we have these aluminum, aluminum garage doors and they have all these weird patterns and dents and dips and you hit a like you just can't play tennis against them anymore. Yeah. And sadly, the wall that we have in my city is like almost a half height wall. So it's super easy to hit it over the wall, which is super annoying. 
Uh, and also the the kind of cement stone material that they have has started to really um, warp and and move, and so it's it's not very straight. And uh, I guess it's good to kind of practice your reaction to a ball that's like really off center. <laughs> like, a, like a bad bounce or something? Yeah, like every shot is a bad bounce. So a lot of footwork there going on, but it's it's pretty frustrating. Uh, so hopefully I'll be able to find a, a better wall. But yeah, that's a great uh, strategy in these times is to practice against a wall. I still think there's a lot of things that you could do, such as practicing your toss on a serve. You can just stand on any sidewalk anywhere in the world and just practice your toss and see if you can bounce it such that it lands fairly straight in front of you. Uh, usually I use uh, the the baseline as my line, but I could use uh, any line on any street in America and practice my toss, which, you know, no, we don't do enough, right? It's so true. And it's probably the single most annoying part of my game is like that needs work. You know, every time I go out there, if I have a good toss day, then I have a pretty good day. But sometimes I just have like an Anna Ivanovich day and Ouch. that toss <laughs> and that toss is all over the place. And I'm like chasing it all around town, slicing and dicing, you know, reaching and lunging for balls that I shouldn't even be doing. Yeah. Like you like at some point you shouldn't even go for it, but you feel so bad because you keep catching the ball. Sorry, sorry, you know. Right. Um, for a retoss, and then and then I just start feeling guilty. So I'm like, you know what, Valerie, you just got to hit whatever ball you throw, and then it just becomes a very interesting display of tennis serving. <laughs> One of the other strategies I use in in actually just teaching is ball catch. You know, it takes so much for our brain to actually be able to track a ball moving in space and time, especially when it bounces off like a, a surface that's somewhat uneven. And that's what makes tennis such a tough game. But uh, just focusing on hand-eye coordination, we can always improve on that. And I feel like you lose your timing if you don't play for a while. And so hopefully people de don't decide not to touch a ball during this time, that they're still even uh, with themselves, they can throw the ball and catch and just uh, play against uh, a wall, play against the roof. I used to just throw it on top of my roof and let it bounce off the garage and then catch it just to practice my hand-eye coordination. And uh, seeing the ball is probably the number one area of improvement that we all need because uh, I think especially at the recreational player level, we don't really watch the ball all that well. <laughs> not like not like Roger Federer. <laughs> right, where he watches the ball even after it's gone. You know, it's yeah. insane. I think, I think those slow-mo shots will live in tennis history forever yeah yeah that's really great so so i think there are a lot of things that we can do in this uh i, I guess i would call it the off season because <laughs> tennis <laughs> is definitely off right i mean maybe this could help you know prove that tennis can survive if they gave the, the tennis players an actual off season well, for sure, um, I'm thinking that my body actually gets to heal during this time as well because, uh, you know, I'm always in a little bit of pain from playing so much tennis, whether it's a, kind of a, a niggle in my ankle, whether it's tennis elbow, whether it's my wrist, uh, my back, you know, <laughs> I'm, I can name yeah. every part of my body, really. <laughs> oh, my feet, my goodness. 
So this does give a lot of us a chance to really heal and uh, do a little bit of um, self-physical therapy at home, which I think is really important because we often think, oh, I'm going to stop playing tennis for a week to kind of heal my shoulder or something. But no, it's, it's going to take three months to actually create healing in your body, right? It's, it's, it's not going to heal within a week. So to have this kind of downtime, but allow us to actually just work on building up the muscle, building up the strength, doing exercises off the court, and not just continuing to do repetitive damage. Well, thanks again, guys, for listening to our podcast. We hope that you're safe wherever you are. We hope that you find a way to play tennis and enjoy your passion. Uh, If nothing else, while you're in your downtime, head on over to the Tennis Pal app and uh, post some content, uh, upload some pictures, share your story. We'd love to hear from you there, as well as an email. Send an email to pk at tennispal.com. We'd love to hear your story about what's happening in your area with tennis. I think it'd be great to share that as well. Valerie, thanks so much for making time. I know you're feeling a little bit under the weather, but uh, it's so great to have uh, another tennis podcast to upload for the people who listen and we really appreciate them yes thank you for having me and just a quick reminder um the tennis pal actually has a new site that has updates on everything that's going on with tennis in general so if you just want like one stop shop to get all the headlines tennis related check it out i love the fact that they're constantly updating the website and the app Uh, to make a better experience for tennis players. So definitely check that out. And hopefully you can find uh, one or two people to play with in your area in this downtime. Just use the message function, find people by zip code and find someone to play with. And I'm sure if we're all safe in the way that we handle our tennis and our connection with people, we'll all be doing fine. Yes. Thank you so much, Philip. All right, Val. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. May all your serves be aces. aces.